What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner, and today we have a very special episode. This is actually an interview that I did with Justin Green on his podcast, which is called Dollars and Dumbbells. So if you've already heard that interview, you're ahead of the game. If not, this was one of my favorite conversations, so I wanted to air this here because I just thought it was a good conversation to share, and I wanted you guys to get access right here on the Mind Over Macros podcast. So you can tune in. This is my interview with Justin Green on Dollars and Dumbbells. If you enjoy the conversation, please take a screenshot of the episode and post it to your stories. Tag me on Instagram at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. And as always, I would greatly appreciate a five-star rating and review on iTunes, please. And with that said, enjoy the episode. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Dollars and Dumbbells podcast. I'm your host, Justin Green. I'm super excited to introduce you to my guest today, Mike Milner. Mike is a fitness coach, owner of Peak Optimization Performance, host of Mind Over Macros, and has the process called Neurotype Training. Mike, did I miss anything there? No, I think you nailed it. I appreciate you having me. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. Where are you calling in from today? I am located uh, just outside of Philadelphia, about 30 minutes outside of the city. Awesome. Very cool. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more about your background, introduce yourself and and how you kind of got into the the fitness business. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I started probably about a decade ago as a personal trainer, uh, got into the industry just through my own struggle. Uh, I was an athlete growing up, played sports my whole life and never really had to worry about nutrition, exercise, anything like that until after college when I no longer had organized sports and I had picked up a lot of typical college kid habits and uh, gained a lot of weight very quickly. And that was kind of like a, a moment where I remember it felt like it happened overnight, looking at myself in the mirror, not recognizing the person that was looking back and being like, well, I need to get this taken care of immediately uh, because I had identified as an athlete and a lot of my, my friends I met through sports and all of that. So it kind of like shook me to my core and I was like, all right, well, I got to get this weight off as fast as humanly possible. And that led me down the path of doing everything the wrong way and uh, chronic dieting, over-exercising, hours of cardio, constantly losing and gaining weight and just ending up in a state of constant frustration. And I decided that uh, I, I was a little bit smarter than that. So I went down the education path and was like, I have to figure this out for myself and um, became certified in personal training, started working at a small gym but really found my passion in nutrition because that was always my biggest struggle. That was like the biggest hurdle for me personally to get over. And noticing that in a lot of the clients that I was training, a lot of people that were going to the gym who were showing up every single day and not really changing because their nutrition was always kind of this off and on type of thing. They were on a, on a diet, then off a diet, then trying a challenge, then gaining the weight back. And I was like, okay, this is clearly the path that I need to go down. And, uh, you know, just kind of became obsessed with learning everything that I could uh, about human metabolism, nutritional science, all of that, and then blending that with the psychology side of things. And that's kind of how it all came together. I was working as a coach, as a nutrition coach for another company and really just saw a lot of shortcomings in the process of coaching. And 
noticing that a lot of people were just being treated like, like statistics, like data points, like walking macro and calorie calculators. And, uh, I found that the, the gap was, you know, it's really what's going on between your ears. And if we don't address your mindset, your thoughts about yourself, your thoughts about food, your thoughts about exercise, then the results are pretty unsustainable. So uh, I went and started my own business, Peak Optimization Performance, or POP for short. I've had that for about three and a half years, and uh, that's that's where we're at today. Awesome. So one thing I noticed you didn't say was that, you know, we needed to educate people on nutrition. You more focused on the mindset, right? Because it's almost as if a lot of people know what's right and wrong. It's just a little bit harder to actually stick with it, right? So I I found it really interesting. You had something called the personality diet. So tell us more about that and how your personality impacts your ability to maybe um, stick with a a certain diet. Yeah, I, I do think that education is important. But I also think that a lot of coaches and trainers, they want to basically talk at people in terms of the latest study and what the research says. And that's all well and good, but somebody needs a reason to care. And we also have to remember that it has to be applicable for that individual. And that was really what I noticed. You can take the best conducted study that shows clear evidence that something is, you know, a benefit for overall health or physique or whatever that person's goal is. But you have to remember that studies report averages and that there's people that are all over the place when it comes to results from that particular study. So for some people, that might be the best way to do it. For others, that might not be the best way to do it. And I think that the main takeaway is trying to filter things through your own individual lens and not making these like gross generalizations. And that's, in my opinion, the the biggest shortcoming of the diet industry in general is trying to place everybody into like a, a box, right? Everybody should be eating this way. Everybody should be doing keto. Everybody should be paleo. Everybody should be doing whatever. And it's just not realistic or even logical to think that millions of people should all be eating the same way. So what I started to realize was that, uh, you know, personality type, and I learned, I started to pick this up intuitively as a trainer. And then I had a coach who kind of helped me understand the actual science and the mechanisms that were happening here. But it's like you learn pretty quickly that when you give a cue, let's say you're training somebody and you're trying to teach them how to do a deadlift and you can say something that like immediately lands with one person and then say the exact same cue to another person. And they and it's like they have no idea what you're talking about. They just don't get it. You start to realize that the way that you communicate with people, um, some people are more hands-on. They like to see things perform. Some people like to, you know, know what muscles are working. And, and it's the same thing when it comes to nutrition. We all have uh, a tip, you know, we all have different personality types that will lend us to different ways of eating, different foods that make us feel our best. And so now from like a, a scientific level, it all comes down to like personality traits, giving us insight into neurotransmitter balance. Um, food has a direct impact on neurotransmitter balance and sensitivity and, and levels. And so um, without getting like too much into the weeds, that's kind of the, the 30,000 foot view is your personality type plays a role in what type of training will be more appealing and more enjoyable for you. What type of nutrition plan will be more effective? And the, at the end of the day, it's about consistency. It's about providing something for each individual where they where they feel like they can stay almost like effortlessly consistent because it fits with their nature. And that's kind of the the easiest way to explain it. 
Absolutely. I think that that concept is incredibly cool. Um, I am, you know, my background, I'm a financial planner, but I think there's so many parallels between uh, financial planning and, and fitness coaching. And one of them I really think is like, we call it behavioral finance in my profession. And I don't see that a lot from fitness coaches. So that's why I was so intrigued by kind of what you're doing uh, over at POP is really focusing on, you know, mindset, personality traits. And then you're going to have to explain what this means, but neurotype training. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So it's just basically a way of saying like your neurotype or like your neurological profile, another way of characterizing your personality type. Um, so we actually okay. do for all of our clients, we do a 100 question assessment that breaks down their score in terms of personality traits. And we have five different personality profiles that we break down so we can see what their dominant profile is, what their dominant neurotype is, but also how they score in all of the all of the five um, personality types. And so uh, we look at it from a neurotransmitter level, which is really the the most um the best way to accurately see or get insight into somebody's neurotransmitter dominance is through personality characteristics. Now, you can certainly do a blood test, but unfortunately, that only gives you a snapshot in time. It doesn't give you any sort of information like at that moment of taking that test, I could have had high dopamine levels, high adrenaline. Maybe I was under stress, um, but that doesn't really give me an idea of what's happening in those systems as a whole. Um, and that's really where personality traits, and this has been studied in psychology for a long time. Um, there's a lot of personality psychologists that have developed different assessments to basically determine this exact thing where we see behaviors like extrovertedness, introvertedness, um, you know, risk taking, all of that stuff can be associated with neurotransmitter balance and dominance. So that's really the, the whole concept of it. And then attaching a specific nutrition and training plan nutrition and training plan based off of those uh, characteristics. I've got so many questions. So <clears throat> one of my first questions is, is this something that is proprietary to you? Like, did you create the assessment or is this something that um, you use someone else's assessment and just kind of incorporate it into your, your coaching? Yeah. So this was, um, one of my early mentors was uh, Christian Thibodeau. He was a writer. For, he is a writer for T Nation. Has been one of the top strength and conditioning coaches for you know decades now. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be one of his early mentees. And he was the first person that kind of opened my eyes to the whole personality concept. And his expertise is really on the training side of things. So from a training standpoint, um, pretty much everything I learned about neurotype training was from him. The nutrition side was really more my passion, not something that he was super passionate about, although he does, I mean, he's incredibly knowledgeable in all areas, but he was just more of a, hey, I'm going to show you how to get strong and build muscle. And, and he can tell you about all the different ways that that happens down to like the you know cellular level. And nutrition was more my expertise. And, and it just made sense to me that as, you know, the things that we eat and our lifestyle choices and our thoughts, all of that influence neurotransmitters. So it, it was like kind of the, the perfect harmony of taking a lot of the concepts that he taught me and then bridging that with what I understood with nutrition, lifestyle, behavior. Um, and really, you know, I felt like the mindset side and just 
client communication was really my wheelhouse. So it was kind of like a, a perfect marriage of all of those concepts to come up with what we do at pop. Gotcha. Now, is there a way for, so I, I know you've got a decent sized team over at pop, but if there was a fitness coach listening to this and wanted to learn more about neurotype training, or maybe even just more of the, the personality side and the psychological uh, studies, maybe that you have used to kind of improve your knowledge and help your coaching business. Is there anywhere you would, you would direct them towards to learn more about that? Yeah, I would have them take my certification course. Um, so okay, yeah, so, cool. Uh, I didn't know you had that. So tell me more about that. Yeah, so it's something that uh, I guess we've certified now like two hundred and fifty coaches um, that have come through the certification. Uh, it started the first one that I did was uh, September of twenty twenty. So um, okay, and it's been something that I've done in person. Um, I guess maybe four times now. So it's, I don't offer it that frequently, although I did create a on-demand version now, so anybody can just go and you know, go through the modules at their own pace. Um, I, I do like the whole environment with people there and the, the energy in a room when you're teaching in person, but for those, you know, obviously now um, just being more, um, you know, with, with time efficiency, it's okay to, you know, take your time and go through the, the course, but it's, uh, you can go to neurotype cert dot com is is where all the information on the certification is uh, located. Awesome. And how long would that take a, a coach? Like how long is that on demand course? Yeah. So when I do it in person, it's a full two days. Like we go okay. nine to five, two days straight. And it's it's a lot of information to, to pack into one weekend. Um, if somebody's going at their own pace, they can kind of spread it out as, as however they see fit. It depends on um, you know, they could knock it out in a weekend if they wanted to just sit down and go through it or uh, they can spread it out. Typically, what I've noticed is that usually about a month is what the average okay. is and people will, will jump in and, and just kind of uh, space it out over a month. Gotcha. And what do you charge for that? Uh, it's nine ninety seven. Gotcha. Very cool. So fitness coaches that are listening, if this is something you want to learn more about, definitely go check out Mike's website and check out the certification. One more time, Mike, what's the website? It's neurotypecert.com. Awesome. That sounds like an incredible value. I think the psychological aspect of coaching is, I mean, you have to really have a background there because as you were saying earlier, um, the studies will show, you know, a large group of people, right? But you're kind of getting the average of a bunch of different individuals. And as a coach, you really have to focus on the individual personality. And um, so I was kind of curious, do you find that there's a certain personality that's attracted to your style? Like, do you have one personality that kind of stands out above the all above the rest just because they're attracted to that the kind of your focus on this type of training and, and diet and nutrition yeah you know it's interesting it's not necessarily one personality type that stands out but it's more so when i look at like the um different types so we we coach and and like the the way that we label the neurotypes we have type 1a type 1b type 2a type 2b and type 3 uh and as as a general kind of understanding Type 1As are like the most extroverted, aggressive, kind of like are who they are. They don't care what you think. Type 3s are kind of the most cerebral, internal planners, very structured and organized. 
Um, and you kind of have everything in between. Type 1Bs are, are very like naturally athletic. They're kind of more of the lead by example. Type 2A, which is my type, uh, we like variety. We, we crave change. We get bored very easily. We like to bounce around from thing to thing. Type 2Bs, very emotionally driven. So they make a lot of decisions with emotion um, and they're people pleasers. And so that kind of just gives you a very, very brief overview. Uh, but the reason I say that is because we have we actually coach a lot of other coaches. Um, so as clients and we have, you know, coaches that come to us and they're just looking for accountability and help with their own nutrition and training. And they come to us and typically they're mostly one B's and um, just for whatever reason, one B's tend to be uh, nutrition coaches more than any other neurotype because they're more natural leaders lead by example. Um, they are very results driven and, and they'll kind of do whatever it takes to achieve those results. So it kind of makes sense that they would fall into that profession. Um, but then, you know, we have a lot of clients who do well as type threes because they love to follow a plan. And they're like, well, if you're going to give me a plan that's like structured and organized and that really excites them, they're very data driven, numbers driven. Um, but we have, you know, a spread like type two A's, type two B's we have across the board. But, um, you know, you start to notice like different groups of people who kind of tend to fall into one category. So that's interesting. So you get a lot of other fitness coaches that hire you to be their fitness coach, essentially, yep. is what you're saying. Yeah, we do. I mean, we have a lot of general population clients as well, but we do sure. have a decent amount of uh, coaches who, who ask for our help. Why do you think that is? I feel like that's a trend I see, not just with uh, your business, but outside, is that uh, fitness coaches are very open to working with fitness coaches. Like, they really understand the value it seems odd but at the same time it's really not that revolutionary right like it makes a lot of sense so i'm just interested in your thoughts on it do you have a coach yeah i do i think that um you know when you are a coach yourself you see the value and i think sometimes it's it's almost hypocritical to say to somebody you should really invest in yourself and, and i'm going to tell you all the reasons why it's so important to have a coach if you're not you know putting your money where your mouth is right like we we walk it too. We don't just talk it. And I think that that's coaches seeing the value of coaching. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of a no brainer. I think that sometimes we get a little bit stubborn and we're like, well, I'm a coach, so I should know everything. And sometimes we, we let our ego get in the way of thinking, well, I, I should know this. And, and it would look you know poorly upon me if I had a coach myself, but it's really the opposite. I think that it's a, it's a sign of strength knowing that there's value in that you believe in the value and you're not just telling other people to invest in themselves through coaching. You're also doing it yourself and kind of leading by example. That's awesome. And in the financial planning profession, we often say that as well. Like a financial planner should have a financial planner, right? Because there's uh, just emotions involved that uh, don't allow you to be objective when it's your situation, especially if it's you and a spouse. Um, so just having that third party objective uh, person to give advice is is extremely helpful and especially uh i would think working with you when you're providing so much value on how to work with an individual and their personality not just like hey here's a here's a program go follow it you know go work out six times a week and 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 follow a keto diet because uh, i know you love that um based on on your profiles online so um, I think that's what originally attracted is that you have a very no BS attitude. Like you're not afraid. I wouldn't call you a people pleaser, right? Would you agree with that? It, you're not afraid to say the truth. Yeah. When it comes to like my content, I, I just tell it like it is. I don't think that there's any reason to 
try to acquiesce or please everybody. It's just, you know, people get hear the BS all the time. And I feel like to have a voice of reason, which is what I try to be somebody who's just going to shoot you straight. Like I'll tell people, if somebody's, you know, listens to my podcast, they'll hear episodes where I go on a rant and I basically tell you like, this is why you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, or this is the problem and you are the problem. And then there's other times where I have like the compassionate tone where I'm like, look, I've, I've been there. I know how that feels. I understand the frustration, but it's still your responsibility to do something about it. So you can sit there and believe your excuses all you want. None of that's going to change until you actually take action. And, and so I just feel like when it comes to being straightforward and, and just being like real and, and honest about what needs to be done or what needs to be said, um, I'm not going to, I get in some, sometimes I do this just to entertain myself, but I'll get people who comment back on some of my stuff and I'm like, all right, I'm going to get into a little, uh, you know, Instagram exchange here, which just happened ironically before we started recording. And then, Oh really? Tell us about that. Eventually, what was that about? So I had, I had made a post that basically said explaining why eating more could actually be the solution to achieving your results. And I say that frequently because a lot lot of the clients that we work with have been dieting their entire life. They've been 20, 30 years and every single person they've ever encountered has said the same thing to them. Just eat less and exercise more. Oh, you're overweight. Just eat less, exercise more. You want to lose 50 pounds, eat less, exercise more. You need to be in a calorie deficit. You need to be in a calorie deficit. So they're, they're tired of it. Right. And oftentimes we fail to realize there's physiological implications of doing that. There's psychological implications of doing that. If I'm trying to eat 1200 calories per day for decades, that takes a toll, not only on my metabolism, but also on my psyche, on my mindset. And I'm open about that. And I tell people, look, you may have some, some healing to do. You may have to spend some time eating more and feeling better before your body is ready to change the way that you want it to which means that you're going to have to focus on things other than the scale. You're going to have to eat more to train harder and recover better and manage stress and have more energy and improve your sex drive and all the benefits that come from actually eating enough to support all of the stuff that you've got going on in your life. So made a post about that. And then, of course, some guy who doesn't even follow me comes and comments and like, <laughs> oh, I guess we don't need to be in a calorie deficit anymore to lose fat. And I'm like, okay, I I understand if that's your takeaway from this post, you're really missing the point. And he was like, well, I guess you don't believe in the laws of thermodynamics then. Like, dude, I I believe in the laws of thermodynamics, but maybe it's more nuanced than that. Maybe always telling people to eat less is not the answer. And I kind of outlined everything that I was saying. And then he just keeps going. He keeps going. And then eventually I block him. And so, you know. I think it would be safe to say he probably doesn't understand the psychological part to coaching. Um, you know, and I think that's why what you're doing is extremely valuable, right? Because the best advice in the world, which maybe, maybe this guy, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's say he could give the best scientific thermodynamic, uh, advice to someone, right? But if that client cannot actually follow through and consistently stick to, the advice because it's not sustainable then that was no longer the best advice right so if i could give you um average advice but give it to you in a way that you actually follow through with long term and it's sustainable and it changes your life and it causes you to lose 20 30 40 50 pounds over maybe a couple years maybe it doesn't happen in 60 days 
um, that's where the psychology comes into play, right? So I, I think I think that is a, a parallel between financial planning and fitness that will just continue to to light light up my mind when I hear it because I just I love that stuff. Yeah, I mean that's that's exactly right, uh, and and just understanding the nuance behind it, especially for somebody who has heard that same advice for as long as they've been alive, somebody who's been overweight their whole life, they've been trying to diet their whole life, every doctor visit, they've been told the same thing. And now you've got some bro on the internet who's like, well, a calorie deficit is the only way to lose weight. And if you're not losing weight, you're not in a calorie deficit. Now they internalize that. They feel worse about themselves. And they're like, well, crap, I can't stick to this because I've tried it already. So I'm just going to screw it and eat whatever I want. And like, that's so you're right. Somebody like that doesn't understand the psychology of it and just thinks it's a numbers game. I worked for a company that tried to play the numbers game. And I can tell you that their failure rate was in the high 90%. Um, their clients weren't successful because they just tried to make it about calorie deficit, hit, hit your numbers. If you're not hitting your numbers, hit your numbers better. And that was basically the advice. So I kind of want to shift our convo a little bit. So you just kind of mentioned how you worked for uh, another coaching company before, and then you decided to go out on your own. I think you said about three and a half years ago. I want to hear a little bit more about your decision to do that and maybe um, a little bit more about like how you prepared yourself financially to take that risk, right? Because I think a lot of people listening to this show may also may actually not be a fitness. Well, they may be a fitness coach, but they may not have their own business. They may be on the fence, right? And I think there's a lot of opportunity to uh, go out and open your own business because the uh, it's very easy to do it like access wise like there's really no barrier to entry anymore but it doesn't mean it's for everyone so I do want to hear your thoughts on on what went into preparing for that yeah so I knew it's interesting because the the fear is definitely a big uh, limiting factor for a lot of people and it was for me as well because I was doing what I wanted to do right I wanted to be coaching nutrition, which is what I was doing. I was, I worked my way up to one of the head coaches in that company. I was making over six figures. There was really nothing for me to complain about other than I fundamentally and morally disagreed with their approach, which ate at me every single day. And knowing that I had this, this tug of war internally, do I keep the safety blanket or do I, you know, take the leap? And it was kind of this thing that was just always in my mind. And um, a lot of it kind of just happened where, you know, it wasn't necessarily like the timing of it wasn't fully planned. Um, I started to look into what I would need to do, all of that um, through, honestly, the timing was probably the worst for me personally. Um, I was married at the time. We moved from Philadelphia area to California, um, moved across the country together decided to separate that our marriage was not going to last. I moved back to the East coast while that was happening. Uh, there was a lot of tension between myself and the owner of the company that I was working for. And, and then my grandfather, who was like the biggest mentor in my life passed away. Suddenly um, he's actually the, my, the reason why I named my company pop was because I called my grandfather pop up the acronym, I just wanted to make sure it was POP in his honor. That happened right before I started my business. So it felt like everything was falling apart around me. And then the icing on the cake was 
I talked to the owner of the company about an idea that I had where I wouldn't necessarily have to be involved in the stuff that they were doing, which I told him I don't agree with, but that I could kind of be doing something on the side that's still connected to their business where they would profit, whatever. I didn't think he would go for it, but he said yes. And then he called me about a week later and was like, actually, I think it's a good idea. We're going to do it on our own. And we're going to get rid of your salary. So now uh, it was kind of one of those, you know, all right, the, the blanket was ripped off. I don't have the safety blanket anymore. Let's let's get to work. And so uh, that was how how it all came to be. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's a lot of things coming together at once. You're like a phoenix rising from the ashes. <laughs> um, so how did you feel those first couple months like? Did that just kind of light that fire under you a little bit more? You, yeah. you kind of knew couldn't get much worse, right? Like everything yeah. had kind of gone wrong up until that point. Yeah. Looking back, it was, you know, the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, now, you know, obviously I, I wish that uh, my grandfather was still here. I think that for him to see what, what we're building and what's happened, um, he would be incredibly proud. And um, he's somebody that had a huge influence on a lot of people. And that was kind of what I wanted was uh, I call it the ripple effect where he touched <laughs> so many people who then touched so many people and it just created this ripple effect. So um, that part of it, uh, you know, really unfortunate timing, but the whole thing that went down with the other company was the best thing that could have happened to me um, because I didn't have time to really process. It was just, I, I just needed to take action and, you know, I could have sat there and felt sorry for myself. And to be honest, a lot of, you know, the initial drive was purely to like, be like, okay, I'm, I'm going to show you the mistake that you just made. And it was more like revenge driven. And I had to get rid of that because it was not a healthy way to operate, but it got me to take action. And I think that that's always the most important thing. What I always come back to is people sit in this place of indecision, which is literally the worst thing that you can do because they're afraid of making the wrong decision. But the wrong decision will clearly show you very soon that it's the wrong decision, which will allow you to pivot and, and go down the right path. But waiting and sitting there in indecision you are guaranteeing that you you stay stuck in exactly where you are. And it's so difficult. Like it was difficult for me to take the leap. Um, so I understand that fear. And, and there were certainly moments where I was like, well, crap, I have nothing to fall back on. Like, I, I don't have a choice. I have to make this work and felt a lot of pressure to do that. Um, but it, it was, you know, again, it was just something where um, I, I feel like I do pretty well when my back's against the wall. And it was it was go time. It was sink or swim. And not having the time to really like process all of the emotions and deal with it. Um, I think it probably played to my advantage at that point. Uh, but yeah, it was just uh, getting me to, to take the step and, and continue to figure it out from there. One of my favorite sayings is focus on progress, not perfection. I think that just resonated with, with everything you were saying there. I think a lot of people get hung up on um trying to do the perfect thing, right? And that causes them indecision and inaction. So I think your grandfather would be very proud of the ripple effect you're having. Um, it looks like you had about 12 coaches on your team. Uh, you've got a pretty pretty decent team. So, you know, you guys are clearly impacting a lot of people's lives. And, and I want to hear a little bit more about um, how you decided to expand the team and how that, how does that structure work? Like, how does it work building out a big team like that? 
Yeah, it's, uh, and I appreciate the, the kind words. Um, you know, it was a, a difficult process because when I started, it was just me doing everything. Um, I found myself with 121 clients to myself, which is way too many clients for one person, especially trying sure. to also run the business and market and put myself out there and create content and, you know, give my clients the attention that they deserve. Um, I didn't sleep very much. I was, you know, working a lot of hours and, uh, you know, I knew that it was not sustainable, that I was going to break down and, and burn myself out. And, um, so I brought on my first coach and, uh, then very quickly brought on another coach and I just started to kind of figure out what that would look like and, and having somebody to, you know, give somebody that like, that was their only responsibility was just providing the type of attention and support that the, the client deserves. Uh, very quickly did I realize that um, I was doing everyone a disservice by trying to play, you know, wear seven different hats and be the, you know, the content creator, the marketer, the salesperson, the coach, all of that. Um, I wasn't helping anybody. So uh, dip, some difficult conversations. It didn't happen overnight. It was a gradual, uh, you know, process of, of offloading my clients and bringing on other coaches and expanding the team um, and then bringing in people on the administrative side. Uh, I think, you know, one of the best books that I've read is called Rocket Fuel, and it talks about being an uh, innovator or an um, implementer. Uh, I can't remember what the ex- – it's a visionary or, or an integrator. So you're either a visionary <laughs> or an integrator, and I'm very much a visionary. Um, I'm terrible at integration. So I'll have a million ideas, and I want to do everything now, and it's like I'm kind of more of the ready-fire-aim approach. I needed to bring in – integrators who can take all the craziness that happens in my mind and actually put it into systems because without systems, there's no foundation of the actual business. And it's on a, you know, it it basically could all collapse in a moment. So that was important for me as well. So uh, it's just kind of seeing where the weaknesses are. And, and, you know, I, I'm a big sports fan. So I always remember hearing about, you know, Michael Jordan, every single off season, he would assess his game and was like, all right, what's the weakest part of my game. And that would be his off season regiment. Like, Somebody said I wasn't good at defense. I'm going to spend all of my offseason practicing getting better at defense so now I can become, you know, you know, best defensive player in the league. And, and that's kind of how I assessed my business. It was like, where where do I need to get better as a leader? Where do we need, get, need to get better as a business, as an organization? And, like, let's fill that gap and try to make that a strength. Absolutely. Um, Rocket Fuel is a great book, by the way. I think it's by Gina Wickman, if, if I'm not mistaken. Um that visionary integrator concept is very important if, for anyone who's thinking about going into business because it's it's I, I had a call earlier with another online coach and he, he's in a partnership and they almost they have that complementary uh, mindset so it works really well. I'm interested. So are you are you doing are you mostly working on the business nowadays? Are you doing are you doing any of the the one to one client work or is it mostly now you've kind of stepped back and you're working on the the business as a whole? Yeah, so I don't have any one on one clients anymore uh, for actual like nutrition and training. Um, I've you know, it was funny. Originally, I was like, all right, I'm just going to price myself out. But then people were willing to keep <laughs> They were like, all right, well, <laughs> it's like, well, you can pay, you know, a thousand dollars a month to work with me or you know, and they're like, yeah, you yeah, will pay that. And like, right, yeah, we'll work just, with you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> all right. Two thousand dollars a month to work with me or you work with my coach for five hundred. Yeah, we'll work with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I realized that that approach wasn't going to work. And I just decided to, uh, you know, draw the line in the sand. And it, it's been 
each step of the way, it's difficult because I, I like to control things and it's really hard for me to take a step back, especially in the sales process, which was the very last thing that I gave up. Um, I did all of the sales calls myself for a very long time up until just recently and now having a team, um, nobody is going to be able to have the same passion and understanding about my business. It's my baby. Nobody's going to be able to deliver that message the same way that I do. But again, it's okay to kind of take a little bit of a step back to be able to move forward as a whole. So that was, um, now I, I do the things that I love to do, which is I podcast, I write, I create content, I work on the business, the growth, the marketing, that sort of stuff I actually really enjoy. So I, I'm not in a rush to give that up. Um, I do consult with other coaches um, to help them build their business. And, and that's just from people asking. Um, I, I work with a company called NCI, which is the Nutritional Coaching Institute, which is run by Jason Phillips. Um, so he's my partner in kind of the, the business coaching side of things. And, uh, you know, it's, it's great to use a different side of my brain, although there are a lot of parallels to coaching individuals with their fitness and coaching people on their business. Um, it, it's, it's very much uh, a lot of parallels there. So that's another, you know, kind of thing that I've got going on that, uh, you know, is really something that I enjoy doing. So what's the end goal with pop? Are you, you going to keep growing it, keep adding new coaches or what, what do you see there? Like, what do you see uh, the future for pop being? Yeah. So I get asked that a lot. And I think that my vision is I see a lot of other companies and I, I don't want to name names because I'm, I'm not critical of, you know, everyone has their own way of doing things, but there's a lot of coaching programs that have a, a huge reach that I feel like don't necessarily take the time to really personalize and, and customize the process to each individual. And I think that there always becomes a point of scaling where they decide to go the automation route. It's like, all right, well, they, they start, and I witnessed this happen where it's like, all right, we came in with the best of intentions. We wanted to help every person, but we were just growing and we needed to cut corners. And so we decided to just do this like, you know, formulaic approach and we're going to automate everything. And, and that way at least we'll help more people. And I think they just kind of sacrifice the quality for the quantity. And what I would like to do is prove that you can actually scale true one-on-one -on -one coaching where we're actually doing personality assessments, metabolic assessments for every single individual that comes in. There are no shortcuts like that we can actually scale on a massive level. Like we're, we're pretty big. I think that even though a lot of people probably haven't heard of us, um, we have a, a good client load that we manage, uh, but to like really scale it to the level of some of these other companies that I've kind of witnessed um, in their reach, I would like to get to that level and and keep the integrity of our coaching and the communication and the client service and, and all of that intact. That's awesome. Have you ever read the book, The Passion Economy? I haven't, no. You should, because it sounds like you would have been like a chapter in the book based on what you just said, right? So it's all about um, how the future of our economy is really these uh, smaller, more um, intentionally focused businesses around individuals and more of the individual that a a larger company would uh, it wouldn't benefit them to try and scale because the the mar target market is just not big enough in terms of you know becoming a commodity. Uh, you should check it out. I think you would really enjoy it. I just finished reading it uh, this weekend, 
and it's it's really in line with kind of what you were just saying so uh, a few more questions as we wrap up here and then i want to ask you about that poster behind you but um fine so one, one of my biggest questions i try and ask everyone is you know if you could go back in time a year ago today and see where you are now what would surprise you and why yeah so i would say the rate of growth um is really the thing that sticks out because honestly with with 2020 when i remember march 2020 it was kind of like survival mode and not knowing what was going to happen you know covid and and everything just being very uncertain and there was a lot of uh it seemed like a lot of just fear and uncertainty and doubt and uh my community rallied together in a way that i still think about it like sometimes it gets me emotional just thinking about it. Like people who would step up and reach out and they're like, listen, if there are any clients who are, are like, they, they lost their job, they can't afford it, they're sick, whatever, we'll start like a fund, we'll start like a pop fund to be able to keep them in coaching because we know how much they need it. And like the whole community just kind of rallied around each other to be able to keep things going. Uh, but it was a lot, it, it felt like survival mode for a while. And then to come out the other side and to have the type of year that we've had and the amount of growth that we've had, um, I think, first of all, it's a testament to the people around me and to the community uh, that we've been able to, to grow and, and build and nurture. But um, I don't think I would have seen that coming. So that's definitely something where uh, it's pretty it's pretty wild to, to think about a year ago today to where we are now. Yeah, it's amazing. And it sounds like you have a really strong community behind you, which should be a testament to you that you're building something truly special uh, to have those people around you rally around around uh, the business and, you know, not just the business, but like your clients, right? They're they're more concerned about the clients and making sure they have access to um, your trainers, you know, to make sure that they can kind of move forward during the pandemic. So that's, that's you know, I think that's awesome. What's kind of, so what's next for you and where can people find you online? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, right now we're, we're continuing to, uh, refine our process. We're continuing to get better. Um, there's no like major changes that we're making. We have a really good rhythm right now where the success of our clients, I feel, and obviously I'm very biased, but I feel like the success we create is second to none. Um, I'm, I'm, but I'm never pleased until like I want it to be a hundred percent. Um, I don't want to see anybody not achieve their goals and sustain it. And, uh, we can always get better. So we've, we've got a really solid groove right now. We're going to keep growing. Uh, we're going to keep reaching more people. Uh, I, I'm a, you know, very passionate about all the different channels of, of community that we have between our Facebook group, the podcast, you know, my email list. I, I, I love to write. So I, I write sometimes, probably annoyingly too much. Um, and I'm very long winded when I write and I send out an email every single day. So people are probably tired of hearing, oh, wow. but, um, it's, uh, you know, again, it's the, just the growth of, of the community, uh, and then continuing to just, uh, refine our process and get better and, and see, you know, what the, what the next couple of years brings. And, uh, in terms of where people can find me, um, I hang out on Instagram at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much it. I, I You can listen to the podcast at Mind Over Macros is on pretty much any platform. Uh, if you want to take the personality assessment, you can go to neurotypetraining.com. It's totally free and you can see what, what neurotype you are. 
Uh, but that's pretty much all the channels. Awesome. So my last question, and uh, this is just because I see in the background. So you got the Mamba Mentality poster behind you. So what does that mean to you? What's the Mamba Mentality mean to you? Yeah, so um, again, I'm a big sports fan. And uh, when when Kobe died, that I was... I don't think that I've ever been hit so hard emotionally by somebody that I didn't know personally dying. It was just, I couldn't quite wrap my mind around it. Why? Like I was, I remember being in the gym, like doing pull-ups and then just like crying uncontrollably. I'm like, what's wrong? I can't, it's, and, and I just, I think that it was what he represented in terms of the work ethic, the commitment. And I really felt like he was on the cusp of this next chapter of his life that was potentially going to be even more influential than his than his playing career with what he was doing um, with women in sports and his daughter and and I I just felt like it was such a tragic event so the, to embrace that like Mamba mentality where you know it was just the 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 constant pursuit of excellence it was holding yourself to a higher standard it was outworking everybody it was just the um, you know, just the amount of, of effort and dedication that he put in on a daily basis. Um, and I don't think that people truly understand the toll that, that being, and, and I don't understand, I mean, I played sports, but not at that type of level, but the toll that it takes mentally, again, somebody who has the mental fortitude to continue to show up like that every single night for as long as he did. Um, that is certainly, if I can just take a sliver of that Mamba mentality, I feel like that'll be uh, super helpful for me going forward. That's awesome. I think uh, any sports fan, when that happened with Kobe, was just shocked. You know, I remember I had actually just finished a workout. I'm a huge basketball fan, but I'm actually a Celtics fan. So I have to admit before this, Kobe was a little bit of like a sore topic for me, Um, but he was great and you had to respect him. And I remember hearing the news and it was just like, it just didn't make sense, right? And that's before, you know, pre-pandemic, so then the world really goes crazy after that. But, like, at that time, it just it shocked so many people in the world. And it really showed how much of an impact he had throughout the entire country. And, and so um, I really like the Mamba Mentality poster. I think that's a, a, a great mindset to have moving forward. And I think it... it definitely um a symbolic of the coaching business that you're building so mike i appreciate you coming on dollars and dumbbells and if you have any last words for the listeners this is your chance i was gonna say it's a good thing we didn't talk basketball first because i would have told you i'm a sixers fan and you might not would have you may have kicked me off the the episode (laughs) you said you were from philly early on and i i could have went there but it would have been a very short episode and you know, I wanted to keep it a little bit longer. There was a lot I wanted to learn from you and I wanted the listeners to hear because I had a feeling you were going to say you were a Sixers fan or a Lakers fan because you got the purple background and the Mamba mentality. So I knew my options weren't great. And so I didn't want to go with that because I'm a huge Celtics fan. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, the purple is just the uh, the color for my business. And then uh, obviously just like the Kobe um, poster. But yeah, been a diehard Philly fan my whole life. This is where I was born and raised. So uh yeah, pretty much all Philly sports for me. Um, it should be an interesting year. I think, uh, you know, um, I would I would appreciate if Ben Simmons were not in Philadelphia <laughs> this year, but that, that's a whole nother topic. But I, I, I really appreciate the conversation. This has been a, a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike.